Um, good morning. Good morning if you're a visitor um, here with us. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, uh, I've got a couple of things that uh, I'm going to just talk about this morning. I just want, first of all, I just want to just mention that worship time. You know, um, first of all, I love our musicians. I just think they serve us so well. Um, uh, I don't know where they are, but um, I just thought, Joe, I just wanted to say thank you so much this morning. Um, when Paul dropped out there and you were a bit exposed, I just, I just loved it. And uh, so thank you. Um, Neil, I love your playing. Thank you so much. The rim shot was great. You served really well. Um, where's Paul? Paul, before you run off, mate. Um, I know it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, when we pick people out, but I think it's good to do. I think, you know, we don't get to do this all the time. Paul, thank you. Um, you serve us really well. And um, I just love your calmness that you bring. Um, these little technical, you know, I, I used to play in worship bands, and I, the technical stuff that goes on that, you, that most people don't see, uh, it, can, it can just be so prohibitive to worship. Um, and, uh, but these guys ride it through um, time after time, so thank you. Have I missed anyone? Marsha, obviously. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Um, I love the presence of God. I love the presence of God that our worship leaders just lead us into. Um, it, it's wonderful. So, um, and the, the testimonies that we had coming through, did you see the flow of how that just went this morning? You know, we don't script anything on Sunday mornings very, uh, at all. And uh, it was just amazing, Rose coming up, and just the stories about people coming to Christ for the first time, people experiencing that. And... Um, that's exciting. They're the stories we want to hear, isn't it? We want to hear about people finding Jesus for the first time. And then who was it brought the word about um, the baptism? Ivor, you were talking about the baptism in, in Israel and, um, of, uh, of Julian and uh, Anne Elaine. Were you both baptised? Wow. Okay. How exciting. We've got baptisms going on in cool locations. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and then what, what happened? What was the other one? Oh, and um, Maya as well. Um, I, I bet that wasn't recorded, but I tell you, I wish it had been. Uh, that, that's not to put you down, mate. We, we don't generally record worship times and contributions, but I think maybe we should. Because when stuff like that happens, I, 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 Maya, thank you so much um, for bringing that and uh, just sharing your heart. Thank you. Um, uh, if we could have the first slide on the screen, that would be fantastic. Um, there we go. We have a slide. Um, uh, we are kicking off session one this morning of our course, which we have titled Love, Freedom, Honor, Power. Um, and this is session one. Um, so now, as we run through these weeks, I would love it if we were not just listening to them, either now in here or downloaded afterwards off websites and whatever else, um, but actually if we're actively listening. Do you know what I mean? If we're actually saying, as I'm sitting here listening to it, I'm saying, God, what do you want to say to me through this? As, as we're talking about different things, Spirit of God, is there anything that you want to say to me through what is being, what is being said? Um, 
And then how am I going to respond to him? Just consider that. How do I respond to what Jesus has got um, for me? Um, now, right before I get started, I just want to mention home groups. Ooh. So last week I said that I was going to announce home group stuff, so I'm going to do that. Um, first of all, I would just like to remind you what I would love to see these home groups be about. Um, so in these groups, I would love there to be a real sense of fellowship. I'd love there to be relationships that deepen, people working out what's going on in their lives, what God has for them. Um, I want it to be a place where, as I said last week, that the seeds of what we plant here on Sundays get bedded in and we start to see grow. Okay. Um, also, that we have a, a context where we can ask that same question of, okay, God, what now does this mean to my life? my approach to life in light of what this church of what we are standing for what does that mean what does that mean for the different aspects of my life whether it be uh, my marriage my friendships my parenting my bank balance my health my whatever you fill in the blank of what that would look like for you um, uh, similarly we would love to see these um, home groups be places where the atmosphere of love freedom honor and power is demonstrated yeah, if, if people, strangers were to come into your groups, that actually they would be words that they would be able to use to describe your group. Um, and also that we get to have some fun and, uh, as I said, deepen some friendship in the church. Okay? So, do you want to know who's leading some groups? Um, first of all, we have a daytime group, which is going to continue to run, which Jen Gollidge is going to lead. I don't know if Jen is in the room. No? Okay. Um, so uh, we've had daytime groups uh, in the past. That's going to continue. Um, so uh, that's, um, uh, I don't know what day that is. Um, which day is that? Wednesday. Okay. So the daytime one is going to continue, and Jen is going to head that up, um, I'm sure, with others. Um, then evening groups, we have got um, Dave and Jules Loveland leading a group, ably assisted by Paul and Rach Tufnell. Um, do you just want to give a little wave? Is Dave in the room? No? Dave and Jules are out? Okay. Um, then we also have Peter and Anita Godwood are going to head up a group. Ably assisted by the lovely uh, Andy and Joe Webb. Andy and Joe Webb. Uh, so uh, I don't think any of those are in the room at this stage. That's Okay. <laughs> Uh, yes, um, we do know. So Dave and Jules, your group, uh, and Paul and Rach, your group is going to be Tuesdays every other week. Cool. Um, after we've been through who's leading these groups, you can go and grab them and say hi and uh, see if that night would suit you, whether you want to be in that group, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not allocating people to groups. I think that's a, um, a bit, bit of a... Um, no, there's not a lot of freedom in that, is there? <laughs> so there we go. So, um, uh, so you are free to go where you want. Um, and uh, I think there, it would just be great, though, if we could make sure that we have a kind of an even spread. So the only stipulation on that is we, we might say, actually, that group is now chock-a-block. Please, could you consider going to a different one? You know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, so, uh, Peter and Anita Godwood's group with the webs is... Uh, oh, I don't know yet. That's got a to be confirmed on the night of that one. So, uh, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, then we have uh, Neil and Marsha Bullivan, ably assisted by Mark and Joe Fletcher. Woohoo! Uh, Marsha, give a little wave. 
There we go. Um, Fletcher's give a little wave. There we go. Um, uh, their group will be a Wednesday every other week. I think all of the evenings are going to be every other week, actually. Um, and then the last one is going to be me and Leo, ably assisted by Chris and Rachel Spring. Uh, our group is going to be a Wednesday, uh, and these are going to be, as I said, every other week. Um, now, I'm hoping that we can... Oh, there's Neil Bullivant of Neil and Asha. <laughs> so uh, I'm anticipating these groups will start not this week, but the following week. So that gives us a week just to uh, uh, remember those names, have a few conversations with people, uh, and then we'll, we'll steam in. And then what we're anticipating doing as well is having material from, uh, that link into the talks that we do, then that can flow into the groups to facilitate discussions and encountering God and that kind of thing. Is that okay? Everybody clear? Fantastic. Okay, so on with session one then. Why Oasis, why me, and why you? Um, I can do. have to put some chest hair away. Oh dear. I'm sorry about that. Then we might get less buzz. You got another button? I have another button. Sorry, everyone, we got a wardrobe malfunction. Is that better? Okay. Shall I move somewhere else? Would that help? <laughs> I'm being robbed. I move. I move this around. What well, continuously? Like swing it around. Shall I just change mics? Would that help? Try a different mic. Okay, are we all right? Does that sound a bit better? Okay, good. On with session one then. Uh, why Oasis, why me and why you? Um, what I don't want to do this morning is just give a bland history lesson about things that people did, things that I've done, um, and seek to applaud them uh, for that stuff. Actually, what would be far more interesting would be to know what God has done so that actually the glory goes to him rather than just what people have been about. Um, and one of the things that I want to really testify to through this morning is about God's faithfulness and his unrelenting desire to see his purposes fulfilled. Okay? So... The very short answer to this question is actually because God loves us so much. Do you know that? He loves us so much. And his purpose will be fulfilled. He will see his bride for his son come to pass. He will see the restoration of his creation. Um, and the incredible thing is that part of this plan means that actually we no longer get to just walk with God in the way that Adam did in the garden, but we actually get to have him in us and us in him. We actually get to be with him in that sense, part of him. And uh, so again, that's part of his redemptive plan. That right from the start, actually, that was the purpose, was that we would be in relationship, in family with him. We would be of him. Um, and so that includes each one of us 
we all have a story, don't we? We all have um, a way that God has led us. If you're here this morning, God has led you through your life, and we find ourselves all in this room this morning with different stories, different backstories. Um, now, as I said last week, Jesus is building his church, yes? We agree that? And we've got to remember that. Um, sometimes we can look at the church and we can feel disheartened or we can have opinions about it, which are good or bad, actually. But the truth is that Jesus is building it. And so that takes pressure off us to think that we've got to be something, perform, present something, try and keep up with the Joneses, all that kind of stuff. We trust that Jesus is building the church and uh, that he knows what he's doing. Uh, And similarly, he's figured out that it would be best if we help him. So we get to be involved. Now, that's his decision, (laughs) not ours. He purposed that we would help him. He commissioned us, didn't he, to see his kingdom come. So right from the beginning of these times together, I want us to see that actually we are part of something that God is doing because he loves us and that he's called us to be a part of it. Um. Now, Oasis, us as a local church, is not just here because it was the brainchild of some guys in a room sometime who were sticking pins in a mat and thought, there we go, that'd be a good idea, let's put a church there. Um, The church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, but it has Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, as the foundation, doesn't it? So Christ, as I said, Jesus is building his church. He's the foundation. He's the one that we, the whole thing is built on. Now what he does is he calls us to get involved. And so what God does is he speaks to men and women, young and old, children included. He speaks to them, and that's called prophecy, okay? And what prophecy is, is it's God speaking to us about his purposes or or about our identity, about who we are as a group of people, and then what are we going to do? And so God speaks to us prophetically. Now, at that point, we've got God with his desire to do stuff, and he's chosen to do it through us, and now God has told us, actually, that he's got purposes and plans for us. It then takes people to say, you know what? I'm going to respond, and I'm going to do something about it. And that really is the apostolic gift That is being sent by God to do something with what God has said. Okay? We're going to talk more about apostles and prophets in future weeks. But I just wanted to draw that out uh, initially just this morning, just as we look at this verse in Ephesians. Um, Okay. So, for through him, that's Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens. Look at the person next to you and say, you are not a stranger or an alien. (laughs) it's good to get to use the word alien in church I'm just looking around the room I'm just I am convinced honestly that none of you are aliens some of you are looking at me as if you're not convinced that I'm not (laughs) um Uh, Where are we? Okay, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God that's good, isn't it? Isn't that good news? 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, like I said, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit, by the spirit. That's a pretty good reason, a pretty good answer to the question, isn't it? Now, my understanding is of um, apostolic and prophetic is that it didn't die out with the completion of the written Bible that we have today. Some people do believe that, don't they? They believe that actually that, that those gifts were for that time until that was put together. And then once that was put together, we then don't have a need for apostles because we've then got epistles. We've then got the Bible. We've got the book. Um, I don't believe that. Um, I believe that those gifts were then for that time, for that purpose, but they also for now, for this time, for this purpose. Um, and so it's important that we believe that, because actually if we don't, we go back to thinking that actually this church is just here because some bloke thought it was a good idea. And we can't think like that, because if we do think like that, then actually we're just a man-made thing, aren't we? When actually we are a God-made thing. We are God's workmanship. Um, he is building us together, as it says in that verse in Ephesians. Um, I just want to illustrate this point about um, how this works with a little history. Okay. Now, I'm not going to go back as far as Maya did 40 years ago, but I am going to go back 30 years um, 30 years ago, 1982, that was the point that I came into, uh, into this thing known as church. Um, I uh, was, um, at that point, came into uh, local church. I was four years old um, back in 1982. I was going to show you a picture, uh, but I haven't got any. Um, my dad's got them all, so uh, maybe another week. Um, but just imagine um, Luca two years ago. Um, we looked quite similar. Anyway, um, so 1982, I've uh, come into a local church, an evangelical church in Brentwood. Um, by 1986, there was a group of people in that church who were discovering things of the Spirit. They were discovering um, new expressions of how to be a church together. And so that group of people decided to form a new expression of church and uh, so those guys in 1986 started meeting in Dave Loveland's parents' living room. Okay? And uh, now those guys, then that church grew, and uh, God was speaking to them about their DNA, about their identity, about their purpose as a group of people. And God gave them this scripture from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who, are, who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This was a foundational prophetic word for that church, for those guys. And the leaders of that church, so Dave Loveland's parents, 
<laughs> with others. Um, they took this word from God so seriously that they decided to actually name the church after it. So that church became Acorn Christian Fellowship. Uh, and they took that line there that they may be called Oaks of Righteousness. And so there we've got illustration of prophetic word, apostolic action. Is no, we're going to do something with this. We're going to make this who we are as a people. And uh, so I grew up with that um, in that church. That was my home church. Um, and other guys that are part of this church now, that was home church for you guys too. Um, so... Uh, it's great that there's some of us still together. Um, now, that church grew. Later, that church changed its name to King's Church Brentwood, which many of you will have heard of and know about. And as that church was functioning, God spoke again prophetically, and there were a number of people in that church, including my mum, and they had this uh, picture. My mum actually had a dream about bonfires being planted, uh, being lit up the A12. And so there's this prophetic word from God, prophetic picture of bonfires running up the A12. And uh, now that word, again, it stayed with them as a group of people. As time went past, the leaders of that church and New Frontiers, uh, which is the family of churches that we're part of, um, decided to take that prophetic word seriously and by 1996 we had a group of people ready to plant a church a new bonfire in the form of this church Oasis and uh, Chris and Rachel Vincent who led that church at the time they were in Bedford God had been speaking to them about coming to lead that church plant so again there's a prophetic word a prophetic picture of how God spoke to the church and then the apostolic gift going okay we're going to do something with that and we're going to make something happen and so this church was born from that um, and uh, the exciting thing is if you think about that picture of bonfires going down the A12 actually we now have families who come from Brentwood and then right up the A12 all the way to Colchester lots of little bonfires running right the way through. And uh, I sometimes I, I think, okay, where's the next big bonfire going to be? Because um, I'm not sure that word's finished yet. Still feels like there's life in it. Um, now, carrying that on then, in this church, 1996, this church has started. That same year, there's a young lady in Brentwood... I'm sorry. It's just a, oh dear, sudden surge of emotion for my wife. 1996, Leah got saved, met Jesus. And, uh, uh, dear, I wasn't expecting that. Four years later, we got married and uh, we came here. I'm caught up with this thing. I, seriously, this isn't just stories to me. Um, God's got a purpose. And this is about your lives as individuals. My burst of emotion is because actually Leo means something to me, but actually she means something to God so much that he saved her. And that year she met him. And uh, anyway, we got together, got married, moved to here in uh, 2000. And uh, we get here and God is speaking to Oasis and had been speaking to Oasis about her identity, about our identity, about our purpose. And 
at that point, God was speaking to us from the same scripture in Isaiah 61. And we'll read it again in a minute. The thing that excites me is that God's love for us doesn't stop. His purposes don't end, do they? He will see his bride for his son. He will see the restoration of of everything, the whole thing. It doesn't matter how many generations it takes. It doesn't matter what men do, women do, to get in the way and mess it up. He's still relentlessly pursuing us, pursuing his children, pursuing relationship with us. And we're caught up in that. Um, Let's read it again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of a prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give to them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'm uh, gradually wanting to sort out things like websites and uh, branding and, and stuff like that. And I, I've just really been thinking, I would love us to have stuff like this verse up somewhere because it's part of who we are, it's part of what we're called to as a church. And even as I came back to looking at this this week, I was just thinking about what God gave me in terms of the title of this course and just thinking actually those four words fit perfectly into that, that it runs through, the flow is consistent um, with what God is wanting to do with us. Um, So in all of this, we are no longer strangers or aliens, but we're fellow citizens we're a family, aren't we? That's why Oasis, that's why what we represent, that's why we've got this gospel message to preach, because we're a family. And uh, when uh, Chris started the church, he had a vision of us as a church being a large church, big bonfire. And he's still got that vision for us. He still carries that. He still believes that. still believes God has spoken to him about that. And... uh, uh, that's exciting. Um, okay, so how did I come to be involved with this? You know, one of the things that was so lovely to me was when I took on leading this church, um, uh, John, I think it was you came to me in one of those early Sunday mornings that I'd just taken over, and you saw a picture of me and Adrian as trees. Do you remember that? And... Uh, and it just brought this whole sense back to me of actually I grew up as the little acorn, one of those little acorns. And, uh, and then to have John, that, that one of his early mornings, just coming and saying, do you know what, you're a tree, you've grown, you're a tree now. And uh, the great thing is, is that I'm not a tree on my own in a field, I'm standing in a wood. There are lots of trees in this church and we all have stories. We've all been growing in God over years. He's been doing personal things with each of you. You've all got stories of who you are in God, haven't you? And you, we could hear them. You know, it was lovely hearing Myers, just that little snippet of what God did with her 40 years ago. And the tr- it, it could be true for all of you. There's all stories that you have. Um, and uh, um, I just want to share a little bit of mine. So I was four years old when I first got introduced to the concept of Jesus. 
um, back in that church in Brentwood. Um, and uh, the thing that got me, and I think this is true for all disciples, um, certainly you read about it in the four Gospels, um, the thing that happened for me was I just got gripped with the idea that I could be friends with Jesus. And, um, and I've never let go of that. I think there's, he just captivated me. That's, that's really the word for it. I was captivated by him as a four-year-old kid that I could be friends with Jesus, that, that he had a book in heaven with all of his mates' names in it, and my name could be written in it. And, uh, and it can never get taken out of it. And for me as a little kid, that meant everything. Um, and uh, so I've grown up with the, just that mindset, that, that sense of Jesus as my friend. So talking to him, hanging out with him, um, really having him as a best friend. Um, by eight or nine, I was baptised in the Spirit. Um, now, I can't believe I was that old, <laughs> thinking about it now. Um, you don't have to be that old to be baptised in the Spirit. You know, it's, it's part of the, the whole salvation deal, isn't it? We, we become Christians our new identity is that we're full of his spirit. That's the deal. So, um, but anyway, I was that age, and I just remember just encountering the presence of God um, and just feeling his love for me in a deeper way and me being able to express that and the gift of tongues immediately came. I was able just to speak that out. Um, And it empowered me in a different way. I saw things in a different way. There was a perspective shift somehow. I can't exactly put words on it. But I know that I went away from that experience empowered and my life looked different. So I actually couldn't help but talk to people about God after that. Um, I needed to. Friends at school. Uh, I, I was part of a youth um, thing in, in Brentwood. There was a Crusaders. Do you ever come across the Crusaders? Um, so we went to that, and uh, I remember I invited my entire class from school to go to Crusaders, because I just thought, they don't know, they don't know the truth, so of course, invite them all, and uh, I, I can't remember how many came, 15, 20 of them came, um, and uh, it just gripped me, and it, it still does, um, and uh, when... Uh, I think the other thing as well, there was such a sense of people who don't know Jesus then. And people need to know the truth. So I remember um, in those days, my dad didn't know Jesus. And uh, I remember weeping, going to bed, just weeping, just saying, God, Jesus, why doesn't he know you yet? Why doesn't he know you? He needs to know you. Would you introduce yourself to him? And, uh, and that did happen um, by the time I was 10. Um, uh, when I was 15, I was at Stonely Bible Week in 1993. Um, uh, and uh, I just remember really clearly being in a session. I can't remember um, particularly what the session was about, but I remember um, there being a, an appeal thing at the end. And I remember responding to that at that point, And I knew that God was calling me into leadership, into church leadership. Um, I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, I was a 15-year-old kid. I was still doing the normal 15-year-old kid stuff. Um, and uh, but I knew some at some point somehow God had that for me, and so I kind of lived with that kind of on the back burner through through my growing up years. You know that at some point that that would come to be. Um, and uh, anyway, a couple of years, year or so later, we get into the crazy time of 1994 um, and uh, the Toronto blessing uh, or whatever that was called, 
And um, I just remember um, being, I'm just going to be really honest with you, I remember being a normal 16, 17-year-old kid trying to work out, am I a boy, am I a man, how does this work, what are these emotions that I'm feeling, what is love, what's lust, what's, you know, girls, how does that work, I want to honour God with my life, but at the same time there's all this stuff going on, and, you know, you remember it. And, uh, and sometimes I really succeeded, I did well, you know, I was champing on with God, it was great, but then there were other moments actually where I didn't do so well, and I sort of messed up a bit and and so all this stuff's going on I'm trying to work out oh god I'm still passionate for you I'm still wanting to live for you and uh, anyway 1994 comes along and I start going to these meetings where I just laugh all the time where the Holy Spirit just fell at that point I don't know those of you who were around at that point but it was just an incredible move of God that where the Spirit of God just fell and it just left people laughing and drunk in the Spirit like you wouldn't imagine, you know, people literally on all fours, crawling around the floor, pretending to be farm animals. Um, it was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. But it was really happy. And at the same time, it was really genuine. It, it's the most bizarre thing to try and explain. To anybody who's listening to this thinking, that sounds make-believe um, or deluded, um, I'm sure there were probably some people who were making it up. But actually, for the vast majority there was something deep going on which I don't think lots of us understood at the time and, but weirdly for me as a teenager I kind of got felt God carry me through you know, those, those moments of doubt and fear and you know, all that stuff of what it is to be a teenager and just feeling swept along in the presence of God um, at that point and, um, but right in the midst of that I remember being in a church uh, in um, a meeting where uh, there was all this laughter and fun stuff going on and I remember being overwhelmed with compassion for people again that didn't know Jesus and I remember saying to God God I love all this laughter I love all the fun I love all the worship all of that stuff but how do you feel about the people that don't know you yet and if you ever want to ask God that question then be warned (laughs) because it's a dangerous thing to ask because if he shows you then it sticks with you and um and you're not the same afterwards and i just remember i i don't know if it was a vision or a picture or whatever you call it but i just remember being laid out on the floor and i just remember um standing um over the top of a a a cage and god was with me here and i just remember standing over this cage it was kind of like like an old um, pirate ship type scene where there's like a wooden floor and there's this cage on the floor with like a trellised lid to it, you know? And I remember people being underneath, being in this cage, and and the, it, it was horrible and there was that sense of panic and, and I just remember realising that the cage was unlocked. It wasn't locked. There wasn't a lock on it. It was open. And, and I remember just people being in there thinking that they were locked and they were caught in this cage. And, um, and then I saw faces of people who I knew and they were saying to me, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me the truth? And, and it wrecked me because I felt this compassion for the people who didn't know the truth. 
and uh, and it it stuck with me. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I I just remember coming away from that, and then I just thought I've got, I've got to tell everyone now. So I went back to school, figured out we had a general studies session. I don't know if you're in sixth form this was. And uh, so you get um, uh, both years, uh, upper and lower sixth forms, is, I don't know, two or three hundred kids, I suppose. And uh, I came back and I said, look, um, we had a lady come in, preach the gospel, uh, as, as, as a teacher can do uh, in the school, which is fairly restricted. Um, and I got to the end of that and I thought, oh, I can do better than that. So I spoke to the head of the sixth form and I said, look, can I do one of these general study sessions and, um, and I'll talk about being a Christian from a pupil's perspective. And uh, so he kind of smirked and said, okay then, because actually they didn't really know what to do with those sessions. So they were quite happy that I'd just fill one of them. So uh, one by one I went to all the Christians who I knew in my year and said, guys, we've got this amazing opportunity to, to, to share our faith with everybody. And, uh, and one by one they all came back to me afterwards and said, look, it's great. We will sit there, we will pray for you, but there's no way we're getting up. Um, and so I just thought, that's fine. And uh, so I went round to see Martin Merrill, and, uh, and I said, I've got this opportunity to do this. Can you help me put something together? So we put this session together. Do you remember that, Martin? And uh, No? Okay. Anyway, so I... Um, uh, he had his own stuff going on. Um, so... So I went back and I did this hour session with the. I was in the lower sixth; they were the upper sixth, and I just gave my testimony, shared the whole the whole thing with them, and uh, got them into different groups doing stuff, you know. And um, and I remember coming away from that. And ju- actually, just before the session started, um, I remember the head of sixth form, just literally before I was about to walk out. She was a Christian. She tapped me on the shoulder and she said, "You know, nothing's going to happen because of this, don't you?" And uh, and I, I I managed to just ignore it, and uh, and I knew that I'd done something. I'd put a stake in the ground, both sort of in terms of my own life, but also in the lives of these guys. And so afterwards, I've um, a few of them became Christians, and I've also seen numbers of them afterwards um, who remember that time. And and also there was sort of a, an odd respect that people seemed to have for me, where they just seemed to listen to me a bit and and so it did something um and um and i've kind of just lived with that ever since um uh i'm gonna wrap things up fairly quickly because um we've got the sparklers coming back in in a second just to uh, show us some stuff that they've been doing so i don't want us to miss that um but i do want to say this that um while i've had these different experiences the last five years have been the most specific, the most significant in terms of bringing me to this place here now. Because actually, in all of my relating to Jesus as my friend, and in all of my encounters with the Spirit, there's something that I've missed. And there's something that I realised I'd missed. And it was about five years ago that stuff, it just came to my attention that I'd missed the sense of my daddy, God. I'd missed the sense of the Father's heart for me as a person. And um, which uh, is a good place for me to stop because that sets things up nicely for next week um, when we talk about me and my dad. Um, so uh, I'll fill you in on the, on the last five years. Um, but also just that sense of what is it to know the Father's heart. Um, 
So we are part of a family that God has orchestrated over generations. It doesn't just go back 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. It goes back generations and generations and generations right the way back to the cross. And um, we are part of that. Oasis is part of that. And you as individuals are part of that. Now, the, the thing I want to leave you with is this, that the story isn't finished yet, is it? And so there is, for each of us, the sense of, God, what is next for me? What have you got next for me? What have you got next for us as a church? What do we want the Oasis story to look like next? Um, so uh, I want to leave you with that. Um, can we just stand and pray? I just want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are here. I want to thank you that you are part of this thing. You're the foundation of this entire thing. I want to thank you that you're the one who has um, orchestrated the whole thing. And uh, Lord, we look forward to um, discovering more about what you have for each one of us. And Lord, I pray for every person here in this church, every person here in this room, that they would feel something of the significance of their story, of you leading them, of your hand on their life. Lord, I want to pray for people who right now feel the distance from you, feel like actually they are living life at a distance from your affections for them. And I pray that you'd speak to them that you'd whisper your words of love over them. I pray you'd affirm them and reassure them that they are part of your family, that you have a purpose and you've called them to be part of all that you have uh, in terms of a bride for your son and to see your kingdom restored the way you've always intended it to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay.